guys, welcome to the CP Junkie podcast, where we bring you interviews with dentists sharing their CPD stories and journeys from around Australia. What better way to learn than to follow those who've already done it before? CPD Junkie is Australia's most comprehensive CPD, so head over to cpdjunkie.com.au and become a member for free to access the full features of the site. I'm your host, Lawrence Doan, and today we are joined by Dr. Anthony Chalapa. He is one of Australia's most contemporarily trained oral and maxillofacial surgeons with an RSCDS fellowship. Dr. Chalapa completed his bachelor's at Adelaide in 2009 prior to working in Tamworth. He relocated to Queensland to study medicine at JCU, finishing in 2013. He did four years of advanced surgical training in the specialty of OMFS, after completing his training in Australia, he travelled to London and worked at the prestigious King's College Hospital to further sub-specialise in the surgical management of facial trauma and the correction of congenital and acquired craniofacial deformities. As the Craniofacial Surgeon Fellow, a position accredited by the Royal College of Surgeons, Edinburgh. During this time, at the peak of the initial wave of COVID-19 pandemic in London, Dr. Chalapa was involved in the provision of surgical tracheostomy service for the COVID-19 patients. He has since moved back to Sydney, Australia, where he practices privately on the northern beaches. Dr. Anthony Chalapa, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Lawrence. So let's start with your time in London. In the peak of the pandemic and giving surgical tracheostomies to the COVID-19 patients, that's an interesting story. I'd like to hear more about it. And how did you end up in that position? Yeah, so Lawrence, um, after we finished training, it's um, sort of a well-trodden path for a lot of Australian sort of maxillofacial surgeons and um, surgeons in general, really, to head over to the UK or um, somewhere else abroad just to learn some new skills and see how things are done in a different sort of health service. So um, my wife and I went over to London. We arrived in London on the um, the 12th of February last year and it was about a month later that London went into lockdown with, um, with COVID. And, you know, the cases over there really started to spike quite dramatically over a short period of time and there was a lot of patients in in ICU, similar to what we're sort of seeing at the moment here in Sydney, but much higher, higher numbers there. And um, a lot of patients who are being ventilated and being ventilated for a long period of time. And those patients needed tracheostomies. And at King's, um, Maxfax do all those sort of surgical airways for uh, across the hospital. So we ended up providing the uh, tracheostomy service for, for all, the, uh, all the patients in ICU. Which was, uh, which was an interesting experience. So I went over there to do a fellowship in craniofacial surgery and it was a bit of a shock to go from, you know, planning orthognathic cases and doing rhinoplasties and cranioplasties to running a tracheostomy service. But yeah, it was, uh, it was an interesting time. And, you know, I was uh, looking back on it, I look back on it quite fondly. Although when I was there, I was a bit... Uh, Bit uncertain as to how it was all going to pan out but yeah it was uh, it was an interesting experience so you moved from queensland to london to sub-specialize in facial trauma and craniofacial deformities what made you do that 
What CPD or extra things did you need to do to demonstrate to get in? Yeah, so I was, um, we do a lot of uh, facial trauma and as sort of maxillofacial surgeons, I think we're quite well positioned to handle facial trauma and that we've got that dental sort of background and we understand concepts around occlusion and the like. And then we've also got that surgical background. So we're able to provide really optimal levels of care for patients with facial injuries that, um, you know, some of our other colleagues may not be able to do. So I really enjoyed uh, facial trauma as a registrar um, during my time training in Queensland. And in Queensland, um, I worked alongside some excellent surgeons and excellent consultants who are very good at it, and that piqued my interest. Um, and I also really liked orthognathic surgery, you know, the correction of sort of jaw deformities, big malocclusions. Um, and craniofacial surgery, that's something that we don't really do a great deal of here in Australia within our specialty. So um, I sort of looked at opportunities to further my interests, learn some new skills as well, uh, and decided to head over to King's. And, you know, there's been about five other sort of Australian surgeons who have worked over at King's in the past. So quite a, um, quite a well-established pathway in place. So um, when I saw this job come up, I made inquiries with uh, the staff at King's and they were really happy to have another Australian come over. All the other guys who had been before me had done a really good job and impressed everyone over there. So quite fortunate in that respect and had a telephone sort of conversation with um, Rob Bentley, who's one of the consultants over there and Phil Stenhouse. And um, yeah, it just it went from there. And as soon as I finished training, I think I finished training in Queensland on the 2nd of February and, you know, 10 days later, we were sort of on a plane off to London. So yeah, it was great. Um, it's one of those things. I mean, going back to your question, obviously you need to have all your sort of Australian qualifications done, your dental degree, your medical degree, and then your surgical training completed before you head over there. But um, yeah, it's a great, uh, it's a great experience and certainly recommend it to anyone sort of on my pathway to definitely consider going over there for a year or even more. Hmm. Maybe when the COVID situation settles down a little bit, hey? Yeah, definitely. So tell me about your current ideal clinical day. You know, what kind of procedures do you get up to? Yeah, so um, I think the beauty of our specialty is the breadth and the scope of work that we do. So um, Ideal day for me, morning will be consulting, but and I'll be seeing new patients. I'll be seeing follow-up patients as well. So new patients might present for things like wisdom tooth extractions or dental implants, following up patients who have some sort of pathology that we might've organized some investigations for, um, CT scans or done biopsies in the past. And the beauty of our specialty is that we can also do some procedures at the same time. So some of these patients that we see as new patients, they might elect to have their wisdom teeth removed on the day, for instance. And if it's possible, we'll certainly do that under local anaesthetic. Our, um, our rooms are well set up for that. And then in the afternoon, often we'll have a theatre list um, several days per week. And that's great. And that's, you know, a broad mix of cases. We might have some wisdom teeth there, some implants, some oral pathology. Um, on Friday, I was doing some TMJ arthroscopies. And sometimes we'll have bigger cases on there as well. So some osteotomies, or I might do a cranioplasty. I might do a few sort of facial skin cancers. So it's really good. And 
I really enjoy that sort of breadth of work that uh, we get to do as oral and maxillofacial surgeons. Now tell me what you hope your ideal clinical day would look like in five years. What further training might you need to do or to kind of get you there as well? Yeah. And honestly, I think I'm living my dream at the moment. <laughs> I'm really enjoying what I'm doing. Um, one thing I do want to get into and do a bit more of is zygomatic implants. Um, so that's something I'd really like to look at doing a few courses for. And I think um, at the moment, it's a bit harder, obviously, not being able to travel um, and attend any of these courses. But that's certainly something that I'm looking at doing down the road. Uh, so I'd really like to get into that. And I know there's some good courses. Um, I think most of them, unfortunately, tend to be overseas for that sort of stuff. So as soon as uh, we're able to travel again, that's something that I'll be that I'll be definitely looking into. Right. Whereabouts would you be looking for these things, you know, through an institution? Yeah, so a lot of them are run by, um, a lot of them are run in conjunction with some of the implant companies. Strauman uh, in particular runs some good ones and their courses yeah. tend to be sort of affiliated with the ITI um, and based in Europe. Uh, certainly one of the things that, um, the other things I want to do is go visit some of the surgeons who do a lot of zygomatic implants in other states and do them really well. So um, that's also something that I'm considering doing in due course. Yeah. Think back to your time as a general dentist in Tamworth with an interest in oral surgery. What do you think were the challenges to further your education in oral surgery or oral pathology during that time? Yeah, so I think um, mate, that was back in, I was a general dentist back in Tamworth in 2010. And, back in Wolf Wolf. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was, um, it was a different time. So I was fortunate in that um, I had a very good, I worked for a very good dentist, Paul Hagley, who had a lot of good skills in oral surgery and sort of showed me a great deal as well. Um, because we certainly didn't have all the, the multitude of courses that are available today. I mean, Back then, it was really just the ADA, sort of New South Wales, that was the main sort of provider. And they'd have a few of the courses, you know, the practical oral surgery course and those sorts of things. But there wasn't as many courses as there are today. Certainly, there weren't sort of websites like yours where all the different courses were sort of collated. And, you know, you could look on the one website and pick out five or six different courses that you'd like to go to. Um, you know, social media wasn't a big thing as well. Um, people weren't promoting their courses on YouTube or, um, you know, on groups like DPR on Facebook or even on Instagram. So it was a different time. And Tamworth, obviously, being um, a regional centre, uh, to go to any CPD course, they tended to be back in Sydney or in Brisbane. So you had to, you had to fly there and that meant sort of taking a couple of days off work and, you know, um, organising accommodation, all those sorts of things as well. So, um, yeah, it was different. Um, it was tough, but uh, I was fortunate going out to Tamworth. I really enjoyed my time there and learnt a lot. And, you know, I'd certainly recommend for, you know, young dentists coming out of dental school to look at going to regional sort of centres for some of their first jobs and benefiting from working alongside excellent sort of colleagues and having the benefit of full books as well and being able to sort of do lots and lots of different things um, and really find your feet in dentistry. By all means, I don't think the path you've taken has been easy. You know, trying to balance work life, 
What are some of the challenges you face when you're taking on this journey? Uh, so, mate, um, I think uh, I've been very fortunate in that I've got a very supportive wife and that's made it a lot, a lot easier for me. Um, as we sort of spoke about before, I had to move a fair bit. I um, grew up in Sydney. Um, but, you know, when I sort of finished high school, as I was telling you earlier, it was only the University of Sydney that had a dental sort of degree available in the state. Um, otherwise, you had to go into state. And that's what I did because I didn't think at the time I wanted to, I wanted to um, you know, be in uni for seven years or whatever it was to finish a science degree and then go to dental school. Um, even though I ended up being in university a lot longer, but anyway. Um, so yeah, like I, uh, you know, went down to Adelaide and then from Adelaide came back to New South Wales and was working in Tamworth and then had to move again, had to go up to Queensland. Um, I was fortunate there in that um, a maxillofacial surgeon who I met down in Adelaide, Bob Jones, organised a sort of um, lateral entry pathway into medical school for me. So I had to do uh, three years of medical school as opposed to four or even six years. So that it meant moving up to Townsville. Um, so that was another big commitment. And then from there, back to Queensland, back to Brisbane um, in the southeast. And every year when you're a trainee, you sort of have to move around. So, I mean, I lived in the Gold Coast. I had to do a year up in Darwin, two years in Brisbane, a year out at Ipswich. Um, so that was that was quite difficult. And when you're an on-call sort of maxillofacial registrar in Queensland, at least, you, um, you're doing some pretty long long hours and it can be quite disheartening at times you know you'd get home quite late and someone would call you and you'd have that sinking feeling that you might be having to go all the way back into work and you know it would happen and uh, that was quite tough but and there's a lot of things that um, you miss out on along the way because of work but to be honest like looking back on it, it was certainly hard but it was rewarding and um you know, I really did, honestly, I really enjoyed what I did and I'd encourage anyone sort of thinking about it to certainly, you know, um, if it's something you're really thinking about doing and you're keen on doing, I'd definitely encourage you to do it and not be put off by, um, you know, some of the uh, things that you might hear about the program because you learn so much, you meet some excellent people along the way. Working in a hospital environment is really cool. It's very different from working in a a sort of dental practice environment. Um, there's a lot more people there. It's a really good atmosphere. So, yeah, there's a lot to love about it. And the specialty itself is just, um, it's really good. It's great in terms of its scope and what you can do. And, you know, you can do a lot of different things or you can narrow down and do a few things and do those all the time if that's what you want to do. So uh, it's great in that respect. Yeah, I guess. People have to think about their own personal situation and talk to their significant other or people before they are going to decide that they're going to take on this kind of journey, I guess. In the past, what CPD has had the biggest clinical impact on your dentistry today? Or, I mean, what kind of courses or programs would you recommend to the budding young dentist who is looking to upskill in oral surgery or even follow a path similar to yours? Yes, I think there's a lot of really good courses um, out there at the moment. Um, there's several that are run by 
sort of specialist oral and maxillofacial surgeons across all the states. And I think those courses are really good. Um, a lot of people are going overseas and doing some of the uh, sort of the wisdom tooth courses or the intensive implant um, courses. And I think, you know, if you do those and you gain something from them, that's really good as well. Um, there's several really good implant courses uh, here in Australia too, looking at sort of basic principles and up to more advanced sort of techniques. Um, me personally, I went to a lot of the um, sort of maxillofacial conferences and those are always good and they're quite interesting and very similar, I guess, in some degree to events like the uh, the ADA sort of Congress. Um, a lot of sort of events running in parallel to each other and a lot of different speakers presenting on different topics. So those are always quite good too. And then, you know, obviously the biggest sort of CPD commitment I made was going over to going over to London um, and working at King's for 12 months. And that was amazing. Picked up a lot of skills over there and it was an opportunity to see how different people sort of did things as well. Um, and I think, you know, the beauty of CPD is you go and you see how different people do things and then you sort of work out what works best in your hands. Um, and that's certainly what I think, you know, going over to, to London was all about, learning from different people and seeing how they do things and certainly use some of those things, bits and pieces that they've taught me in combination with bits and pieces that other people back home have taught me as well. So, yeah. Mm. Would you say it's much of a difference between what, um, you know, is in, in um, the UK and what is here in Australia? Um, there are certain differences in terms of what we do. I think um, over there they do a lot more sort of facial skin cancer. They do some rhinoplasty, some nose jobs. Um, they do some cranioplasties, those sorts of things, um, which we don't do a great deal of here. But I think over here in terms of the core aspects of our specialty, dental alveolar surgery, implants, facial trauma, orthopedic surgery, we're incredibly well trained. Um, so I think our training program is quite rigorous. Um, it's very um, intense as well, intensive. So yeah, we are exceptionally well trained. And, you know, everyone who's been over to London, all the Australians, um, the guys over there really like having us come across because they think that we do quite a good job. So that's always pleasing and it reflects well on, um, you know, how our practices are here in Australia, I guess. Okay, one more question for you. What kind of words of wisdom do you have for the recent graduate who has an interest in OMFS or oral surgery or oral medicine? Yeah, so I think um, if you do have an interest in oral and maxillofacial surgery, one thing you should definitely try and do is touch base with your sort of local oral and maxillofacial surgeon. We're always, you know, more than happy to have sort of dentists come along and spend some time with us. Um, certainly in my practice and the other practices that I work at, we always have dentists come in and come to theatre with us. And it's great. It's a good way for you guys to see how we do stuff. And, you know, um, I think you learn a lot from watching how other people do things. And we'll often, you know, talk you through procedures as we're doing them, explain why we're raising flaps in particular ways and the rationale behind it. Um, show you some sort of sectioning and bone guttering techniques, um, take you through some suturing and things like that. So definitely establish a good sort of relationship with them. Reach out to your local oral and maxillofacial surgeon. They'd be more than happy for you to come along. 
um, spend some time at some of the different maxillofacial units in the hospitals and see what the guys are doing. Um, hospital practice is very different from what's happening in the room. So you might see more sort of facial trauma there. You might see some head and neck cancer, um, things like that. So yeah, reach out, spend some time at the different units. And you know, if it is something that you really want to do, by all means, encourage you to go for it because it's really, it's a long road, but it's very rewarding. And I think you'll really enjoy it when you're on the other end and, you know, you're sort of uh, doing what I'm doing now. So yeah. That's it. I'm going to go to my referral pads and call up my old surgeons, eh? <laughs> Dr. Anthony Chalapa, thank you for coming on the show today. Tell the people what's going on in your life and how they can reach out to you. Uh, mate, so I'm, I'm here in Sydney. I'm based at the Northern Beaches. I'm also practicing out in Southwest Sydney as well with a colleague, Dr. Kofi Oteng-Boteng. His practice is oral facial and implant surgery down at Liverpool and Wollongong. So by all means, feel free to look us up online or um, I'm also on Instagram. Um, at the moment, we're just battling our way through lockdown, hoping that it's going to end in the next few weeks or so and we can get back to it. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of people in similar positions to ourselves all doing the same thing. So all the best to everyone. Stay safe and, um, yeah, hopefully not too much longer to go. Thank you. Thanks, Lawrence. Thanks for having me. Much appreciated.